I don't see the other way than, you know, really doing your best to making a, a great product that is very long lasting. Maybe it's embedded in the Danish roots that we kind of think about functionality and that we think about, you know, the lifespan of a product rather than decoration and consumption and throwing out. Welcome to the Brave New Real Estate podcast, a podcast for ambitious leaders ready to get to work, do the work and create a better built world reality. I'm James Sanderson, founder of Studio Sanderson, a communication consultancy that works with leaders in real estate, design and the built environment. The pandemic lockdowns and the subsequent year have accelerated a greater awareness of our relationship to our homes and how we live. VIP, the 82-year-old Danish design brand, offers a cohesive collection of tools for living. From its 1939 origins with the iconic pedal bin, VIP has evolved into a lifestyle design company, complete with modular kitchens, a line of furniture, and a series of immersive hotels and experiences. In this episode, we talk to VIP co-owner and concept director Sophie Christensen Edgeland and her husband Frank Christensen Edgeland, president of VIP US. We discuss the company's origins, how its design ethos acts as a guide for its product design, as well as a philosophy for living, what the opportunities are in applying these principles to a US market, and how they are building out their company to extend to new immersive and experience-based projects. Let's get to it. Good morning. Thank you very much. Good morning. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Yeah, great to talk to you guys. Maybe just to begin with, given that there might be people in the audience who don't know you, could you maybe start by explaining what VIP is and, and what it offers as a service offering and product offering? VIP is a company that was founded in 1939. It was created, started by my grandfather in Denmark. My grandmother wanted to open a hair salon and my grandfather had a small metal workshop. So she asked him to manufacture the interior, make the interior for her salon. And part of that interior was a trash can, which is today have become quite an iconic product. But back then it was, you know, made out of necessity. Her clients was, uh, you know, the doctor's wife and the dentist's wife. And they saw the bin and saw the functionality and asked if he could make more of them. So for his career of like 60 years, he had this workshop. He was manufacturing trash cans for professionals, for hospitals, doctor's offices, etc. About 20 years ago, he passed away and my mother took over the company. She had a background as a social worker and had no skills for running a metal factory. My brother and I was at that time just in the early 20s and, you know, just planning to help her out with whatever skills we could, you know, bring to the table. It was such a small company, so, you know, there was no money, so we just did it after school and, you know, trying to help out. And, well, eventually we kind of <laughs> stuck along and now it's 20 years later and here we are. Can you talk about where you are today with the company and how some of those original principles of translating the products and experiences that you're now offering. Sophie and I are, um, are the couple behind the company here in the States. Sophie is the, um, the visual genius of the two of us. My part of the business in the US, which is probably also the reason why we're still together and have been here for seven years, that we have different competences. I 
I'm more on the sales and marketing and financial side and Sophie is more on the visual side. So we have this, a lot of common interests. So I think that's what makes us hopefully a strong team here. So with the mindset that my granddad started out with, you know, to do something that is highly functional, but also pleasing to look at, but in that order, you know, the functionality first and then the aesthetic afterwards. A bin that survived, you know, now it's 80 years and still looks pleasing and interesting and modern. That is kind of the upper bar for every time we do a new product. You know, we right. kind of look to the sky and say, you know, would, would granddad be pleased? You know, did we achieve what he set out uh, as the DNA of this company? Uh, so no matter whether it's a very small product or a kitchen, that are the same principle that we bring along to do something that is timeless and functional and as well quality. So some of these principles you're alluding to here, less is more, form follows function, and I suppose Danish design in general are pretty familiar phrases and, and, and principles in the in the design world. But for a wider audience, can you expand on the, the deeper philosophy behind them? Well, you know, sometimes it's very interesting to be asked something that feels so natural. I feel it's a little difficult to answer because I don't see it other way. I don't see it other way than, you know, really doing your best to making a, a great product that is very long lasting Maybe it's embedded in the Danish roots so that we kind of think about functionality and that we think about, you know, the lifespan of a product rather than decoration and consumption and throwing out. As you just said, there's been a sort of societal design ethos to the way you live and, and consume products in, in Denmark and Northern Europe's heritage, I suppose. But I feel like I've started to see that emerge much more in the US in, in recent years. And then, of course, in the last year, when people were really forced to, to become aware of their home and how they live and consume, it's become even more prevalent. What changes, have, if any, have you, have you seen in your customers in the last year, recent years, particularly in the US? We have probably experienced some kind of transformation in terms of um, taking better care of what you invest in. But I think a lot of our clients, first of all, they love the story of it's a family-owned company and, and we still do, which is a funny aspect of doing products, which if you take good care of them, really will last forever. We do repairs of trash cans that is 40 years old. And I think that's, that's also some kind of quality mark. We are not, you know, the iPhone, you're told it will stop working after three years because right. someone put something in the phone, which <laughs> actually, well, yeah. But the philosophy has been so far that if we go into a category, we are only doing one product. We did one dishwashing brush. We, we, we have done a lot of products, but we really have refined the product. And the dishwashing brush is one of my favorites, just to mention one, because you can change the brush. So you, you keep using the handle forever if you take good care of it you just have to replace the brush from time to time so a lot of that is is really what i think a lot of americans and i love being here and i love the people and 
I think a lot of people understand the importance of maybe investing a little bit more to get higher quality. Yeah. That has changed over years. I love IKEA. When I was younger, I, I, that was where I bought because I, that was what I could afford. And I think IKEA is an excellent example of doing nice products. But of course, they can't sell a product to that price if it was the best kind of materials used. And we had the complete opposite. We, we can spend not years, but we can spend so long time finding the exact correct materials because it's so important for us that it really works. It will last forever. And I keep saying last forever. I'm raised taking good care of what we invested in as a child. My bike, my dad asked me to clean it every weekend because my sister should have it after me. So I think what has become natural for us through Sophie has been in the company since she was a child. I, I was taking part of the company when we moved to US seven years ago, but I have been together with Sophie for 20 years. So I know the thinking of the company and yeah. all the values which is put into it. And I think that's one of the best things about working in the company that uh, the value is, is, is my personal values as well. So it's, it's not a hard thing for me to, to sell. I want to add to it that I feel a very big responsibility being a family company that you feel like you're, you're actually facing the clients, you know, you're facing the customers. So if they are unhappy with something, I do take it very personal because I right. do feel that they get a little bit of me. So I think that being we are quite a, quite a small company and we are 100% family owned and operated every time we do something and, you know, it's well thought through. We do have a growing group of clients. So I guess that people are actually liking the thoughts behind. Have you seen in the, in the last year any particular products that, have, that people have picked up on more than previous years, given the, the focus on the home? I think it's a combination of what we have all been living through for the last almost 18 months. People have had to spend so much time in their homes, but it seems to be that people have said, we need to do something with that kitchen. We love cooking and it's not working for us. We need to look into, uh, and we have had conversations with clients, which was then taken up again, especially on the kitchen side. We have seen a, a huge growth through the last two years, but I think it's also a combination of us have been here for seven years now and it takes time. It takes time to, to get the, the to grow the awareness yeah. and connection with people. I had a funny conversation the other day. I was interviewing a, a potential new employee. I asked her, so how much do you know about our company? I, I do know a little bit about your company. I, my husband and I just sold our house and we had your trash cans, your pedal bins. And the new owner said, if you're going to, of course, it was also with a smile on her lips, but the new owner said, if you're going to buy your house, we need the trash cans to stay, um, <laughs> which makes me happy, but also a little bit eager to, because they have never seen the trash cans before. So it, it's really nice to hear, but it's also, I have a lot of work still to yeah. do. We are not very well known in US still. Yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done still. So that's a good segue into talking about your interesting brand promotion 
through the development of these these small concept hotels and and hospitality experiences. Can you talk a little bit about how those got started and and what kind of reception they've been getting? It's a few years we have been doing these one room hotels. Yeah, there is a couple of thoughts to it. First of all, I'd like to say a story about when my mom first adventured on his first sail trip to the UK. She brought a bin under her arm and she went to the Conran shop that you may know. And yep. it's a very highly recognized design store in London. And of course, that was her kind of the, the dream to be sold in the Conran shop. So she brought the bin, went in, asked to speak with one of the salesperson and they had no time for her. She didn't have an appointment. You know, she persisted and she got like two minutes in a, like a sales office and the guy asked her a ton of questions about margins and turnover rate and et cetera. And she had no clue what to answer. She was just there with the trash can. Yeah. So she got kind of, you know, she almost got kicked out and she felt very you know, humiliated, but she still thought that this trash can was so amazing. So rather than going back with the bin, she left it at the reception desk and said, you know, guys, take a look at this. You know, spend some time. I'll be leaving. Here's my name and number. Call me if you like it. And a few days later, they placed an order. So, I mean, with that said, the point is just, you know, if you have a really good product, you can one time, you can try to explain that to clients. That's a great product. But it's just so much more persuading to let the client try it, to let them see it. So that is one part of that whole uh, idea of making the one-room hotels, you know, to make, first of all, people that goes there and, and secondly, the audience that see pictures from there. The other part of that story is also that, you know, being a smaller company, we don't have an adventure funds. And we, you know, we have to do things a little different. Yeah. We don't follow kind of that conservative corporate route. So we do love to do things a little more autonomous and full of ideas. And, uh, you know, that is possible when you are like few owners and all eager for doing the same. So uh, we have a, a very smart CEO, Sophie's brother. He is um, he's great getting ideas. One of the best ideas I think he ever got was to build this shelter we did in Sweden, which you have cool. seen. After living in a huge city, it, it gets so stressed. So he had this idea to build this house getting out of the city again on the philosophy of VIP, it should be, a, I think he said, a five-star camping. It should be a little bit more luxurious than putting up your tent. But that was our first, you could say, experience into creating a room with our products. That shelter is not more than 1,000 square feet maybe even less, 600. So that is part of the VIP philosophy that it's it's fewer but better, even yeah. in the scale yeah. of the house. You know, you don't need the two bathrooms and the extra, all these things. You know, it's just the essential you need to become like a human recharging station out in the woods. And I think what's really testimony to the consistency and, and utility of the brand is that you you have the VIP shelter, which I believe is a, metal prefab structure and it's set in the middle of a forest but it's not obstructing and, and and still feels like it absorbs the the sensibility of the area around it and then you've got the 18th century farmhouse with a with a thatched roof and then you've got 
you know, industrial structure that also contains the furniture and products. So you've got all this sort of variety of architectural spaces where the VIP products are able to sit and, and, and take on the, the surroundings. But that is actually just a copy paste of the real world. Right. Because we right. have so many clients all around the world with so many different aesthetics and way of living. Yeah. From, you know, a lake cottage to a penthouse to... Very uh, industrial uh, factory building. Uh, yeah. Factory building to yeah. a, a tiny farmhouse, you know. And the interesting thing about the kitchen and the trash can and the product is that they're catering to a variety of clients. It's not, there's not one type of client. So, so the hotel room is just emphasizing that the diversity of our clients. But it still feels very much VIP, which is what's fantastic. Yeah, good. So many product brands today uh, jump on the trend of the moment, particularly in interiors and things, right? Everything looks kind of generic a little bit. So, Yeah. Um, and you know what? It takes an effort not to go on that route, but that is very right. much who we are, you know, to not go with what is modern, even though you're tempted, because you just know it becomes unfashionable again. Very quickly. And as an extension of the same kind of concept, I believe you made your, your New York City home your showroom, or you made your showroom your home. I'm not, I'm not sure which came first. Did we get the question again and again and again, how can you live in a showroom how can you what about the kids and your dog and you get calls and you visit us all the time but that's how we uh, we build our life here in the states um came here we wanted an a location close to our competitors in soho but honestly it was not us it was financial a too big risk and it was not the way we should conquer us because that's It felt not right. So we had to rethink it and we needed to do something in the apartment that we already owned in New York and we decided to make it a showroom. Yeah. So we wanted to put in our kitchen anyway. Where you are now, and correct. Yeah. No, actually, that was before. We just okay. moved to our newest place a year ago. But it was it's just to emphasize that we we do things probably people say they're crazy or it's very unusual yeah, it's very different but it's it's only as sophie also indicated earlier we really have become good friends with a lot of the people which we have sold kitchens to mm. because we have been the people who are helping them to design their kitchen we have more or less also been the people who are installing the kitchen. So it has created a really strong relation to a lot of really fantastic people here in the US. And just for some context, how big is the, the company VIP? I mean, obviously you've talked about yourselves as owners and your brother, and but in terms of design and production and, and sales and marketing, I mean, it seems like you, you, you do a lot of the sales and marketing yourselves in some ways. Yeah, yeah we are a small army over here. I mean, we're just a fraction of the company in, in out of Denmark. That is where the design, the product development, everything is placed. So we are more of a satellite over here. Yeah, I would say we have 45 people employed full time in the company today. So still a really small company compared to a lot of other design companies. And in terms of growth in the US, where do you think the largest opportunities for expansion lie for VIP? 
or is it more organic natural growth through customer word of mouth? I mean, we are strong on the East Coast and West Coast, but there is just so much more to be done. But I believe that the first kitchen we sold here in the U.S. six years ago was probably the hardest to sell. You know, every time we sell a kitchen, it gets a little easier Mm -hmm. because people have friends over and they're proud and happy and share it and picture it, you know, little by little, it's a snowball that is rolling. It's not rolling very fast, but it's rolling. You know, it was like, it was very solid to begin with. So, uh, so little by little, it gets easier. And in terms of the, the one room hotels, and I also saw recently you, you started a supper club. Is that right? Or in in the pencil factory? Do you have any plans to add uh, a U.S. hotel experience to your growing list of these properties? And just for your audience concepts, can you actually just quickly list where exactly the different hotel concepts are? Of course, we should bring that concept to the U.S. sooner or later. The VIP shelter is in Sweden. We have two locations in Copenhagen, an old water pump station that has been turned into a hotel room. We have uh, the VIP called loft. The, called the chimney house. The chimney house. Yeah. We have the VIP loft, which is um, a huge, very New Yorkish loft on top of our headquarter. We have a farmhouse, which is from the 17th century, out on the countryside. We have a pencil factory. It's going to be a, a space for architects and artists and creatives yeah. and chefs to be artists in residence, to do some some shows, to do some cooking with us, um, simply to come and play with us. And, you know, it's the supper club will be some the, something that we continue doing right now. We started out with a few chefs, very avant-garde from Noma. But the plan is to do a diversity of chefs, you know, like the diversity of rooms. So it's not all going to be very elaborate high-end food it's also going to be more of a formal family style dinners so we'll have chefs from the u.s coming over we'll have chefs from asia coming in so um you know it's kind of building an experience with the like-minded yeah that sounds amazing it makes perfect sense given everything everything you've been talking about so there's been a, a lot of hype about technology's role in the home and you know, recently we've seen many more considered design solutions with sort of design being applied to thermostats, smart locks, blinds, lighting, to name a few. Is there a role for VIP to play in applying its kind of design principles to the smart home market? You said it makes perfectly sense about the hotel rooms. And the funny thing is, you know, if it makes perfectly sense, why don't other companies do it? I don't know of other kitchen company that thinks this way. You know, sometimes something that makes perfectly sense is just not making perfectly sense before it's there. The thing about technology is that it gets dated too quickly. Yeah. You know, imagine that we had put a sensor on the trash can. So when you came close to it, it you know, it opened But then again, if the trash can is meant to last for 40 years, that technology will eventually be way dated. So we don't aspire to do things 
with building technology in any way. You know, we are very, very, you know, that said, mechanical we, driven, yeah. functional driven and not but technological that, driven. That said, we are using appliances, which, of course, has a lot of technology. Uh, we work with engineers who yeah. use a yeah, groundbreaking. We yeah. use technology, but just not in the final product. No. Yeah. I think that's also an important part of our company. And some would probably say it's a little bit arrogant, but I think anyhow that we see a lot of our clients actually being architects. They under, probably understand the concept, I'm sure they do, of having a kitchen which is more furniture kitchen that it's, it's a custom cabinetry kitchen. But a lot of choices have been made already. You can have the countertop in stainless steel. You can have the panels in three colors. And we, we have tried to make it less complicated to choose a kitchen. And for, for a lot of clients, that makes sense. We have really tried to refine and decide on how it should be. You know, if you only make like a one-off version of the handles or how the drawer is looking on the inside, you know, it allows you to spend quite a lot of time in figuring out exactly how that is optimal. We have made a lot of selections from the clients and of course, some like it and some don't, but the people who like it, they actually loves it. You know, they have too many options and choices to sure. everything else going on. So they feel relieved that, you know, specialists have thought out on behalf of them. Well, I think, you know, that's maybe not now so much, but originally that was one of Apple's kind of strengths, right? Was exactly. Yeah, exactly. What is it? Yeah. Dell was offering thousands yeah. of colors and they were just yeah. like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Titanium. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think again that there, there is definitely a growing desire for less choice and and getting on and using it and not being overwhelmed with choice where it becomes a kind of uh, stopping point. When people visit us here and they see the kitchen, it becomes easy for them how they can imagine it at their home. They don't sit at a table with a lot of material samples and have to be abstract thinking to kind of merge that together into a kitchen you know what they see here is what they get maybe in a different size but you know the overall appearance is the same so i have had a couple of clients where they they were a little hesitant they had all the samples they could choose like this wood and this countertop and this color and this handle and they were just not trusting themselves enough to have made the right choices so, you know, coming here, this is what you get. It was like, yeah, I like it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe just to go back on a point that I think is worth talking about in, in more detail is the overall consistency with everything you guys do. We've touched on it a little bit, but I think from the marketing collateral website, the VIP shelter, the buildings, there's, there's this coherence that I think is very singular, but as you said, not devoid of choice. And that is a very unique strength. How do you sort of build the culture to, to keep that sort of coherence and consistency? I think one of the secrets is that I know a lot of companies do work with a lot of external designers. So they get a lot of input yeah. and they get them after how fashion changes, 
So they're really into more fashion industry than, than we probably are. So they get a lot of inputs and, and really what is really trending right now. I wouldn't say we are the opposite, but we have another philosophy. We, we want to have people employed in our company. Yeah. So they really adapt to the culture and the values of the company. We have had amazing people there for many, many years who understands the values and people who are so skilled designing your products. And I think what Sophie said, that's what I heard from my first dinner with the family. They were discussing new products and they say, how would our granddad actually think about this product? And I think that's, I think actually people who are designing products for VIP Insight, they try to relate to what has been done for 80, 82 years now. So yeah. they have to be a coherence in everything we do. And there is a lot of products who never actually hits the market because it's not there. It, it doesn't have what's the VIP DNA. Yeah, you won't believe how long time it sometimes takes to make a new product. I mean, it takes years and years and years to refine and make, you know, I think also part of the answer to your question is that it's, you know, we're still family owned and the family is very involved and very passionate about products and design about the house concepts. So I think that is probably also why it feels coherent that we have a very long track record of being involved in that. So it's, it's, it's less the flavor of the day kind of feeling. Yeah. You've got, you've got the history too. And and as you said, the, the story and and the grandfather's evaluation criteria with which to use to tell you what's right. And I mean, I wish he could see where it was today Yeah, because obviously back, you know, when he passed away, it was, it was three people in a workshop. That was the size of the company. The funny thing, he called it a factory, but, you know, I think the right word would be a workshop, but I'm sure he would appreciate what we have done today. I mean, his, his DNA and his aesthetic is very much running in our family. Yeah. And I think just to pick up on what you're saying about keeping things in house, right. That I think I've seen, you know, when I first started in design industry, it was very much all about out of house. And there was a there was a much bigger movement for outsourcing to design companies, whether it's product or graphic or whatever it is. And definitely in the last sort of five, six years, there's you see a lot of people, peers going in-house and, and taking those positions permanently. So I, th- I think that, that probably aligns with mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit of what, of what we've seen as well is that there's a general movement in, you know, you, you have to have a singular point of view. You can't be all shades to everybody. I see an upside with both version, you know, to the having it external, you know, you can choose and pick, you get introduced to a lot of ideas very quickly. And then the long haul with keeping it in house, you know, so there's a good and bad with, with both of them. So, but we have just deliberately taken a choice, you know, many years ago on which path that we followed and we have been kind of very consistent doing that. Fantastic. So if we were having this conversation in, in five years today and you guys were very happy about where things are and what would have happened in those five years to make you so happy? For me, as being involved in VIP in the US, I'm proud of the products we do. 
And I think there is a huge potential for our company here in the States still. And nobody really knows about us. I would love that a lot of people get to know the company. We will still grow organically. We will identify the best people to assist us in, in the work, getting uh, much more brand awareness about our products. We are here mainly to focus on our kitchen, Sophie and I and the team. Yeah. And that will be our focus for the next five years as well. So I hope a lot of people have had a lot of joy doing kitchens in a nice kitchen. and uh, yeah, Doing food in a nice kitchen, yeah. 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 I don't know if you've had the chance to look into... Uh, I think one of the most smart marketing materials I've worked with in VIP is the One Kitchen 20 Homes. Have you had a chance I to have. see? I have. I had a little look at and, that. Yeah, that's fantastic. It shows, it shows really the diversity of a lot of fantastic people who have chosen to live with a VIP kitchen. And as you said yourself, in completely different settings, from everything from a castle in France to a super beautiful townhouse in France. And there is a lot of different aesthetics and places. So, yes, I think there is a huge uh, potential for, um, for the company and our kitchens here in the U.S. Yeah, I would say we hopefully fulfill that potential that's out there. But it's important that it still feels very personal, Yeah, that we still are, you know, the people still feel they connect with the family and, you know, that whole, those values. I'd rather not be, a, you know, a huge corporate. Yeah. I mean, you, you have storytelling as a discipline down where you're, you're, you know, you're telling the stories of your grandfather, the factory origins. And then, as you said, the stories of the individual people who are participating in the product and, and bringing it to life. It's important to uh, to also mention Sophie's mom. She turned 70, was it last year or the year before? She is absolutely not 70 if you look at her activities and the way she is all over. She's the brand ambassador. She's traveling in France right now and speaking with potential partners. She's, she's never stopping. She I had the pleasure of being together with her for some months in our showroom in Copenhagen before we took off to U.S., of course, it's her company, and she was there when the, the trash can was founded in 1939, almost. So, so it's really a it's a family-owned company, and she has no, she's never stopping. So it's yeah. it's great to see. I think it keeps her young too, so it's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you guys. This has been really fantastic uh, hearing the the background and and where you guys are going and and how you brought it all together. If there's someone listening to this who, you know, wants to explore VIP a little bit more, obviously there's the website and do they go and knock on your door in, in New York and and uh, ring the doorbell? or, or has... I mean, so the first couple of years, we just let everyone in that knocks the door, even though it was like Sunday morning and we were almost in the pajamas. We like tidied up quickly. Today, we have become a little more rigid about it, but people can make appointments to to come and visit and we us. would love to uh, see a lot of nice people so uh, feel free yeah fantastic well look guys really i've really enjoyed this and um, it was a pleasure it yeah, was thank helpful. you so much for taking the time appreciate it of course of course and to the five-year thing we should have some of those houses with the hotel rooms here you know fantastic. we should do supper clubs yeah. we should all do all that here love to see that so you, come and, you come and join us then i'd love to 
Thanks so yeah. much. Sounds good. See you then. See you then. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Brave New World podcast from Studio Sanderson. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out the podcast episode details or visit studiosanderson.com for links to additional resources and recommended reading from myself and others. See you next time.